You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual character, Adam Jocelyn. Uh, I'm filling in for Greg. He's the new Freddy Kraft. Freddy Kraft. That's funny. Brian McCubbin. Oh, hi, mates. How y'all doing? David Hall. Are we pirates again? You must be TJ. Kyle Pendigraft. I'm just here so I don't get fined. All right. On today's show, we'll take a behind-the-scenes look leading up to the Coke Series Championship race last week. iRacing hires a key new member to its team, and you can learn how to change your name. In iRacing, that is. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. Hope to see you there. GridFinder 2.0 is bigger and better than ever with more ways to narrow your search for your next sim racing league. Featuring over 1,000 leagues from over 25 racing sims across every platform, your place on the grid is just a couple clicks away. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or to upload your own. GridFinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder.com Let's kick off the topics. How about this uh, Coke Championship round info you've got here? Yeah, this actually comes from the YouTube channel for Coanda Sim Sports. Uh, so Coanda is this, the the uh, group of guys who race out of Germany, I believe, and uh, you know they all stay in the house, and that's their job. They stay the in the house. house. Yeah, they stay in the purple house and they race. Uh, so uh, Mitchell DeJong was what the young. It was one of the uh, drivers. Uh, from Coanda, and of course, he was in the final four last week of uh, the Coke Series Championship. And they posted a video of you know the lead up to the week, you know what uh, what all they went through uh, in in um, in preparing for the race, the championship race. Uh, it was really interesting. You get to see him talking to uh, talking a lot about um, Keegan Leahy, who who he's teammates with and in the 2311 uh team and he also uh talks about how 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 important keegan was with him getting setups and working on setups together those guys qualified so great all season long they were just amazing at qualifying um some of the other cool things that you notice is that uh you know being in germany he's suiting up for his race at like 2:45 in the morning uh so he's uh, he's really getting up early to do these races man um so uh yeah it was it was a great video and at the end what i thought was also pretty impressive it was probably 5 30 when they wrapped up the race and he gets out of his rig and you know his teammates are there uh up up and uh congratulating them on on a good finish so uh it was really good to see the behind the scenes look of uh what these guys do in preparation for these big races yeah and it's interesting when they're they're interviewing mitchell you know, he's sitting in this room and, you know, in a nice chair and it's kind of like the living room or whatever, but 
there's trophies about there's a help there's a case for helmets and other uh stuff he looks like he's a real racing driver i mean he's got all the hardware i mean if you would have told me otherwise i would say oh he's some dtm driver or something but I mean, he's not a real race car driver. He's a sim driver. And uh, to have that kind of hardware in your living room uh, really speaks to what kind of driver he is. Well, the next thing we were going to cover is we have the man behind R-Factor joining Team iRacing. This is kind of like uh, Elon Musk hiring the, the chief engineer at Boeing or uh, Blue Origin. It's a pretty big steal. Uh, race sim announced, or race sim Central announced it on Twitter that Terrence Groening, he's the man behind the PC physics for multiple racing games, and he's joined iRacing. It's, um, also, they also have an interview with him, and the sim racing engineer gives his own story about gaming and about joining the iRacing team. Yeah, I don't think I knew who this guy was until this article, uh, to be honest with you. Um, he is a behind-the-scenes kind of person. Um Fascinating read, though, and if you're interested in sim racing history, you need to take a moment and take a look at this article. Um, it's at racesimcentral.net, and uh, basically they've hired that guy who is uh, behind the R-Factor, as David said. But this is also somebody that David Kamer has worked with in the past, um, and they talk about the storied past uh, back in the day, so to speak, when they were working on... Uh, you know, the EA titles and different things uh, and stuff before that. And uh, it's a long format interview. Um, you really kind of get to know some of that history uh, by going through the questions. Um, and then for him to end up at iRacing, I think, is is telling. I mean, if you're the guy who's the king of physics, as they were saying, and, and this and that, why not end up at the premier title for sim racing? Um, you know, why, uh, you know, be somewhere else when, you know, right now iRacing's in a growth pattern and I'm sure they can use some brilliant minds to work on these physics and uh, the tire model. I mean, and those kind of things. Yeah, Anybody um, else knew who this guy was? Yeah, I didn't know who this guy was. Um, I, I think uh, is. He's uh, responsible for a lot of games, you know, NASCAR Thunder games back in 2003, 2004. He's done R-Factor and R-Factor 2. He was the main engineer on all those games. Um, so, I mean, he's got, you know, real real chops when it comes to these uh, sim racing engineering uh, type of games where you're trying to, you know, duplicate real life in a simulated environment. And... Um, him working with Dave Kemmer sounds like a really good pairing again. You know, th I don't know if, uh, if this means that Dave Kemmer might be, you know, stepping out at some point and maybe he would take over. I don't know about that. That's a possibility though. Right. Well, it's a big company and you got to have some depth. Right. Um, and it doesn't hurt to have two brilliant minds working on these kind of things. Uh, I want to read a quote at the end, uh, from this gentleman, it says, what most, so the question to him was, what most excites you about joining iRacing? And he says, I'm not sure. I think they promised me a free t-shirt or something. But seriously, it felt like the right opportunity to work with these people focused on making the best sim in the world. Although the features that I'll be working on are top secret, even to me at the moment, I'm looking forward to contributing to something that a lot of people will enjoy. 
secret. I like that idea. Yeah, that, that's interesting that he's um, signing up to work on a top secret project, but they don't tell him what it is, you know? Well, top secret to us. Well, you got to look at his background. His background is physics, uh, you know, car physics. Maybe a physics overhaul or a, re- a remodel or something. Give us blowovers. I'm going to go flip into the air when I get around backwards. I'd love to see the arcade launches end and make it look realistic, you know? When you watch a NASCAR race, you don't see a, you know, Denny Hamlin fly up, you know, 10 stories into the air like we saw last week a bunch of times. We there were a ton David, you got launched, didn't you? A week ago? It was a few weeks ago. Uh, was it? We're you went like 20 stories in the air. Yeah, we were going to talk about an article. Uh, I'll I'll get into it more later. We'll save that one. Just, you know, give the cars some weight and not such like a feather when they get up, hit the wall, you know? All right. So his name is Terrence Growing. 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 I can't say it. Groaning. Groaning. And hopefully we'll hear more about him as we go forward. Well, Brian, the next one is actually where I'm going to talk about uh, the uh, required repairs that happen when you get launched. But what what do you got for us? Yeah, so uh, this was posted by EJ O'Rourke. He posted on his Twitter uh, what might be the record for required repairs in a, in a race after you got some damage. So uh, he, he highlighted his uh, in-pit stall, um, his uh, F, you know black, black box screen. It's showing uh, that the required repairs are one hours, one minute, 32.5 seconds with a three-minute, 45-minute optional repair. So uh, he's going to be sitting in the pits for a while there. Um, and I think they're going to be building him a new car in that amount of time, basically. But I know, Dave, you had some, you'd had some uh, issues with this same thing. So go on. Yeah, if you get launched, I mean, I don't know if that's what happened with him. But if you get one of those glitchy launches, it just, it you know, it murders the car and puts it through not physically possible G-forces. and. My repair, required repairs was up over an hour or two. I don't remember if uh, if it had more minutes or not, but it, it definitely is up there when that happens. A record, maybe? Um, close. Yeah. Um, I can't. Like I said, I don't remember if mine was one hour two or one hour three, but it was it was up it was up over an hour as well. It it, it definitely means that you have to bow out of the race. Yeah, unless you're like in a twenty four hour race, what's the even point of having that? Just say you're done. Speaking of bowing out, Nathan Lyon has decided to call it quits of the NASCAR series. Due to personal life, he goes on to thank Dead Zone Racing, Rash Fenway, and Steve Letarte, to name a few. But yeah, he's deciding it's time to quit out of it, NASCAR. I always call this guy Lyon's Choice because that's the name of his Twitter handle. And a lot of our notes come out of Twitter for those races. But uh, oh, it's, it's tough to see Nathan Lyon leave. Uh, he's a great racer. He de- he definitely belongs in the Coke series. I mean he's I mean he's one of those guys and uh, but you know it really goes to show what the grind is. I mean we talked about that a little bit uh, on a previous episode um, why we might not be interested in going pro pro or anything like that because it is a grind. I mean these guys are working full time on these sets and um, he's you know he's got other things in his life. You know he's got something to do. He's got a probably get a job and get a life and get a wife and, you know, those kind of things. Well, what was one, what's one of the things that the real life drivers used to really hate back in the day? The grind. The, the testing. 
back when there was unlimited right. testing. Right? It worked during the week, right? Yeah. So, and, and that would actually lead to, you know, in some cases, probably earlier retirements. Because um, that takes the fun out of it. Guys like to race, not test. I fall asleep after about an hour of testing. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were just talking about um, Mitchell DeYoung and the Coanda Sports. Um, that's their job there. You know, that's what they do for a living. So if, if, if you don't have that luxury where, you know, iRacing becomes your job, it becomes like a, a second job. And that, that can be a lot more difficult to, uh, to work out in, in, in the course of a, a normal, uh, normal life. So, uh, I, I can understand Nathan's, um, bowing out and why he's doing it. It all makes sense. Um, it's it's a it's a tough gig to what he did, and and congratulations for doing it for three years as he was. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll miss you, Nathan. Good luck to you, um, and we'll see how it goes. Um, my question is: Does that mean they're going to take um, the twenty first driver from the Coke series, or are they going to add one driver to the qualifier? I think uh, Greg West will have to answer that question. We'll shoot him a shoot him an email. But uh, yeah, it's a, it, it's interesting because these guys, uh, like, how many of them is are, are making enough money to make it a full time job? Well, this year, one of them. You know, I, I would say even the second place money might not be enough to live on, but the the first place guy probably made enough to to make a living. But the rest of these guys are working. And you're betting your whole year on winning that championship. That's hard to. <laughs> Hard to place a bet on that you're going to live off of that without a job. Okay, Brian, tell us about the Force Dynamics Delara iRacing Grand Prix. Yeah, guys. So uh, this is again. This is uh, from last Thursday's race, um, and because uh, we're about a week behind on this series, and it was week four at uh, or sorry, week five at Silverstone. And the win goes to Martin Van Lusenord. Uh, that is his second win of the of the week. I mean, second win in a row. So he won last week as well. And uh, the, his third win of the season, he won the initial uh, opening series race. And he's, now he's won the last two. Um, so with that, he's actually still a little bit behind in the championship points. Uh, um, nine points behind Peter Berryman. For the lead, uh, Johan Harth is in third place, three three points behind Martin, and uh, week six would would be uh, just a little while ago today, and they are going to Hockenheim, so uh, we'll be catching up next week on Hockenheim, where Martin Van Lusenard will be going for his third consecutive win. And what a win it was! I mean, third to first. We have a highlight uh, video of those last laps, and it was just a thrilling, incredible move to really make that. Uh, a, a, you know, he, he kind of got to the inside, and the next one he was sweeping around the outside, and for a moment they were three wide there. But being on the outside, he just carried the momentum. And you got to remember with these cars, they freaking stick. You can just hold them down and go. I actually did some testing of this car this week um, just to – feel that you know power and that downforce again uh in the new cockpit and uh it is an amazing car i can't tell you what a thrill it is to drive it just by yourself on the track let alone racing other people well how about them uh mercedes mike yeah we had a uh insider tweet come out from steve myers uh 
over there at iRacing, and he did say that uh, it was a Monday morning, I believe, early. Um, he wrote, I can't help but be impressed with the amount of time and effort Mercedes-AMG F1 team is putting in to help us develop that W12 F1 car. I'm watching Discord messages between their engineers and ours all morning, on and off weekend. Car is going to be a new benchmark for sim racing. And that's pretty cool to hear, uh, you know, they're really digging into the details of this. Um, they want, and, you know, for him to say a new benchmark for sim racing, I mean, that's saying a lot. Because, I mean, if you look at the Delara IR01 that we were just talking about, I mean, that was a benchmark to have, you know, Delara design this car from the ground up, you know, and, and all this. And now we're trying to replicate this Formula One Mercedes car. And um, it, it's so cool to hear that the team is all in on it. Well, it's also a big uh, shift because in the past, F1 has never been willing to let anybody near their cars for, for a sim. Right. Uh, so that's kind of a big change there as well. It's got to be trust. It's got to be personal relationships. I'm, I'm sure that Steve Myers has a personal relationship with somebody there that's making this possible. I mean, that's, that's how that's got to work. So what, what do you guys think was the change all of a sudden for F1 uh, becoming part of iRacing? Is it just the popularity or do they see other, other, um, other things that might make it more uh, lucrative for them to join iRacing? Well, it kind of comes down to the fact that sim racing has come to the forefront since the pandemic, right? Especially when that was the only thing. It, it, it's just grown by leaps and bounds. And I think it's just um, a point where staying out of it at this point is a bad business decision. I don't know if it's F1 that's involved with iRacing. It's Mercedes, you know, and so... I think Mercedes is driving this, not necessarily F1. Do they have the blessing of F1 and, and all that? I don't know. I, I mean, they, they have contracts with these other game manufacturers. I don't think they need the blessing of F1. It's kind of right. It, so they're just doing their team. thing. Yeah. They're racers like us. So they probably love iRacing, you know, and they want their car on it. That's probably what it really comes down to. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's probably, that's probably right. It's, it's just so hard to, uh, it's hard to believe that with the secrecy of those cars, um, they're let anybody come in to take early peeks at it. You know, well, but, they said but the next year model is the is the key to this, Brian. I mean, we're going to be be able to race next year's model next year. And remember, right, they, they right. have they have also said that uh, they're now literally actually having to turn certain manufacturers away instead of instead of on the opposite foot, where they're begging manufacturers to help them out. What do you think? Um, try not to get too far off the topic here, but what's the possibility these companies and and these racing uh, racing companies are having people using iRacing as like a training tool for future drivers? I mean, we see it all the time where you see more and more drivers who uh, who have a background in iRacing or other 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 uh, computer games, but uh, that you know wind up making uh making uh their way into the real deal um i think it comes down to manufacturer simulators and they don't want their drivers using another simulator whether it's another manufacturer or uh, a third-party simulator keep the data in-house yeah 
plus the the manufacturer simulator is you know a million dollars invested into one car and a set of tracks versus i racing which is which is still superb but it's not a million dollars per car investment i don't think but to david's point i mean to brian's point about uh grooming new drivers I think we're already at the point. If you're an up-and-coming driver and you're not on iRacing, you're you're at a deficit. I mean, if I was a team manager looking at drivers, not only am I looking at their driving history and their resume and whatnot, I'm probably looking at their iRacing profile too. Um, it, it reminds me uh, of um, I don't know if you guys remember the old old movie. I think it was called The Last Starfighter, where you know they're basically using video games uh, of people f- flying air you know spaceships in order to recruit them to re- to fly them in for re- in real life and that's kind of what what's happening in real life with racing obviously it's, you know starfighters a little far out there but if you apply the same principle to racing and get these uh, simulators as close to the real thing you might be able to pick out real talent to to use you know Man, did you just send me back? What a classic movie! Yeah, it was. <laughs> and you're right, but you're right. That is ex- literally exactly what happens. This dude beats the high score on a game, and the next thing you know, he's abducted by aliens to go fly for them and fight for them. So it could happen. Well, another thing that involves just to make a, another not so smooth transition that involves training or learning courses that some people use is they turn on the racing line, All right? And so this next video that we're looking at. I'll be. I'll admit that even with it being five minutes, I got home from driving the bus route, so I only skimmed through it. But essentially, the guy is pointing out that if you continue to rely on the racing line after you learn to track, um, it's not the best solution to find the, the most speed, uh, particularly because it doesn't show you the maximum limits and doesn't necessarily always set up the best sacrifices when you get into complexes of, of, of s curves and stuff like that sometimes you have to sacrifice one corner to make the last corner a better exit uh so the racing line is good for if you're like trying to learn numbering or something and you just want to need to know when you're cutting right and when you're cutting left because you haven't quite got the turns memorized but once you get past that point you probably to, to hit the next level you probably need to be watching a VRS video or, or something else on YouTube. That's how I ended up learning most of the tracks instead, was I'd go watch the VRS tutorial. This is a neat channel to watch, to learn, because it, the channel name is called Get Good Racing, and it, the way they spell it is funny. It's G-I-T-G-U-D, Get Good Racing. Anyway, uh, yeah, he gives several reasons why the driving line is bad, and, and he points them out with example. You know, like you can push harder and break deeper than that line indicates because that line has that red where you're supposed to break and green where it's gas. And I understand where this guy's coming from. And and if you're at that 90 percent, you know, close to optimum speed and you need that extra 10 percent, he's actually probably right to turn it off. Another another. I'm sorry, Mike, keep going. Go, no, go ahead. 
I was going to say another really good point that he makes is that, you know, we're dealing with dynamic tracks now. The track is not the same condition uh, on the first lap as it is the last lap. And as the condition changes on the track, you you need to change your line to compensate that. And if, if you're using this line just to, to you know, for your, for your line from start to finish, you're going to lose time eventually as the conditions change, the temperatures change, and uh, the, the racing line changes. Don't these driver's lines also change color where you're supposed to brake and accelerate and, and et cetera? Yeah. Yeah, okay. they do. Well, your braking line is going to change based on the wear of your tires or if you're catching a draft. If you're catching a draft and you brake in the same spot, you're probably going to, to completely miss the corner. Not only that, but you also got, you know, wind change. So, yeah, I wanna, these are all good points. I want to tell you guys, believe it or not, I have this turned on currently. I know. I've seen your replays. I've yep. seen it. And <laughs> yeah, I'm not ashamed of it. I mean, but I'll tell you what, why. So when Mount Washington road course thing came out, the mountain, I turned it on for that, to learn that that track. And whenever I run that track, you know, I definitely want that on because it's a long track. And, it, and you know, I, I've, I, I kind of have it memorized, but not enough to really know it where I can attack it. And with that driving line on at the Mount Washington mountain, I can get a pretty good time, you know, for me, uh, because, you know, it reminds me. And, and the other part of that driving line thing is I look at it as a guideline and, and I understand, you know, what David was saying, you know, sometimes you're going to break later you're, you're, or sooner, depending on your tire wear and this and that. And I just, and, you know, I'm not using it like, oh, I'm going to hit my brakes when it looks, when I see the red. I'm just using it as a guideline, you know, and, and don't live by it. But I've left it on just because I'm lazy, I guess, and I don't turn it off, and I don't know when I'm going to run Mount Washington. And even on the ovals, though, uh, even at Kansas, I mean, uh, I was looking at that line and I kind of judging if, if I'm sliding up or not based on it. So I have no problem leaving it on. Um, I think it helps me to, uh, to, a, to a degree. Well, one thing he did say is that it can be helpful for certain things. Learning tracks is definitely one of them. And when you're dealing with an eight-mile track like that or, or the Nordschleife or something like that, it's it's hard to learn. You know, you don't learn it real quick. And uh, that, that will kind of help you out with learning the track. But it can be a crutch, too. And so I race all week with it on the last few weeks. But then I get to our league race on Monday night, and they have it where I can't run it. They have a feature where, uh, turned off in the, in the league where, you know, no driver aids are allowed. And so all of a sudden I'm racing the race without the line when all week before I have, and it almost feels like I'm at a disadvantage in the league race because I've been running the, the, the driving line on all week. And there, there have been instances where I was learning a new road track and I had the, I did have the line on just to learn the track. And after I got really comfortable, I turned it off. And actually, you know, after I turned it off, I would lose a little bit of time because I relied on it. But after getting back into it a few more laps after that, I actually improved my time of when I was using the line. And I, I think that's kind of kind of the summation of what uh what this uh good get good is mentioning in his uh video i've got a similar crutch that i use in practice i have a timer if i'm running practice laps that tells me how far i'm off my lap time 
and I need to shut that off because I, I rely on that in practice to see how I'm doing. And then I get in the race and I don't have it on the center of my screen. Right. And so maybe you should always be practicing how you end up racing, I guess, but. Cause then I'm, I'm gauging off of how my lap time is. And if I'm fast or, or if I'm slow, rather than feeling how the car is driving, I'm watching a, a ticker pretty much. Uh, I don't know why you didn't re- give this one to me, but uh, Sporting Co. Deep Dive, Mike. It is a deep dive. Yeah, this is uh, Justin Melillo uh, put up an article over at Traxion. He's a writer over there, and uh, he went on a deep dive of the Sporting Code, and he talks about all kinds of stuff about it, you know, what it is that you agree to it when you signed up for iRacing, whether you know it or not. Um, what the basics are. Um, then he goes into protest. Uh, he talked about how protesting works. He talked about the Scott Speed incident uh, as a, an example. Uh, he also asked, uh, talk about, can you get protested for what people write or say? And of course, brings up the Kyle Larson uh, example, um, him getting suspended indefinitely from iRacing and NASCAR for something said on the sim. Uh, Then it goes into lesser known items in the code. Um, When you stream, you have certain things you have to uh, abide by and and whatnot. Interesting that um, it points out that they did actually put in the sporting code that tanking, uh, where you intentionally drop your I rating, is no longer allowed. Yeah, so that he talked about what's been added recently, and that was one of those. So if you, I mean, the sporting code is hard to read because it's kind of look, it kind of reads like legal jargon, like a lawyer wrote it. So if you want to, if you haven't read it and you want to know more about the sporting code, this is a great article to read to get a, a grasp of. It's a good summary kind of thing. What it's all about, anyway. I don't think I've ever read it. I don't think I've read portions of it, you know, but I haven't sat down and read it. I just know don't be a doofus and you won't get in trouble. Race how you want to be raced. Well, the next thing we've got, the title for this topic is pretty interesting. Drives like poo. We have Davin at drive-thru. He's, he's played an extensive session of NASCAR 21 and has his thoughts on a Twitter page. Starts off with some really positive notes, but then just kind of rips into all the things that are missing from it. Uh, I'm not going to read you the list, but... It, it, uh, it looks pretty scary. Yeah, they've been... Now, I usually don't talk about other sims and games and different things on this podcast, but NASCAR 21, which is the next version of that NASCAR Heat I never liked, but it's got a problem. I mean, apparently they got some really buggy game out there, and this is the only person that said there's a problem. Um, I Even the guy who just wrote the article before, Justin Melillo, he posted today on Twitter a video of him playing this game where he couldn't even get to the green flag without his car spitting up into the air and flying all over the place. Like, it literally, he could be racing. Some things never change in the console games. <laughs> You can't. I did catch that you can't take over the car until after the start finish line, even if the green's already out. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, it drives itself under caution. What kind of garbage is that? Oof. <laughs> well, this guy goes on to give a laundry list, like dozens of items wrong with it. Um, 
and, and gives them, you know, a nice bug report, so to speak, um, that needs to be addressed. But how can they even put this thing out when it's in this kind of condition? That's what I wonder. They get the money. Doesn't matter when they get the money. People still buy it. And they, 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 will, they probably have some sort of deadline, and they always know they can go back and patch mistakes. Uh, so rather than delaying the game to get a, a, a more polished product, they'll just get it out and then and worry about the problems later. Yeah, and since the problem with digital versions like that, it's the same thing as you're saying there, Brian. They can just push it and then later go back and patch it. Well, that's an advantage iRacing has. Is, I mean, it's tried and true for a decade or longer of code that works. And so if they muck it up, they can always just revert back, you know, so they're never going to be in a, a place where they have a product that looks like this. Adam, what do you got about iRacing setup streams? All right. iRacing had an informative stream up on Twitch, helping guide users through setup on the Audi RS3 LMS for the IMSA pilot Ch challenge series race. Pretty nice of them to help give some insight on how to do setups for road cars. Yeah, they've been doing this once a week for over three or four weeks now. Yeah, it looks like they're staying with the 3.45 Eastern time, which which makes sense, you know, if they're at work, you know, they're doing it during their working hours. But it's something that, um, you know, if, if you really want to catch, you know, you have to make yourself available at that time to catch it live at least. Tuesdays. Or you yep. have to be European. Don't you do that at Bristol? I got in trouble for it once at Pocono, actually, right? Next, um, Brian? Yeah, Brian, Brian, you're up next. Um, so for right now, I want to call you Brad instead of Brian. All right, I, I was waiting for the witty intro. That's, that's, <laughs> but uh, so this is a story uh, that uh, probably been a long time in the making, but... It's iRacing will now allow users to change their names. So your screen on the service. Now, this is in certain circumstances, and it was posted in the forums by Kim, Kim Barry. Um, so what, what they're, what they're, uh, what they're saying is that if your uh, account was created using a credit card that's not yours, like if it was a parent or a spouse's card, you can change your name to the actual name of the person using the service. Um, if you want to add or remove a middle name, you can do that. Um, if your name is misspelled for some reason, you know, typo when you set it up or something. Uh, if you like to use a different version of your name for example joe instead of joseph so if you don't want to be you know make it less formal because of that's the way it might have been on your credit card uh, you can do that if you'd like to change your name for confidential confidentiality or privacy reasons now this this might cause a problem if if you like to follow some like famous drivers like it and uh, and they have they don't have to necessarily use their real name if if there's an issue with confidentiality or, or privacy or, or if your change your name has legally changed. So these are these are some small some changes you can make. But again, they're not getting away from the personalization that has made iRacing a standout among other games. Where you know where you're not going to be able to change your name to Porkchop and stuff like that that uh, Tony Gross or Tony uh, Rochette likes to use. The, you're not going to be able to use uh, gamer tags stuff like that. They still want you to use your real name, but they're giving you uh, ability to to make adjustments to it that are you know that are credible and and make sense. So uh, 
if you want to do that, you can go on the iRacing forums, and uh, they they have a a, a, pair, uh, a release a release document that you have to fill out to submit your change. Like, uh, so David, I, I I remember a while ago when we first got together, I I wanted to follow you, so I looked up David Hall. Well, there's like three or four different David Halls, and you were none of them because you have your your middle initial in your name but if you wanted to take that out you can do that um if 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 you're if you have a number next to your name it's automatically assigned if it's a duplicate of somebody else's name so if your name joe smith and you're the 10th joe smith who signed up for rice i racing you're going to be joe smith 10. now you cannot change that number because the system only recognizes joe smith one time now if you want to change it to joseph smith or, or joseph aaron smith that can differentiate differentiate you from all the others then that could probably be something that would work so uh so these are just some some minor changes but i think it's changes that will help people be a little bit uh more comfortable with uh with what their name is on the service this is the first time i've seen a documented procedure i mean the procedure is always oh just you know email iRacing and and just handle it you know informally but they, now they have a little uh, form to fill out for parental consent for the kids. Um, you have to have a, a, a parent sign, you know, form on, on file, so to speak. Mikey, do it for the kids. Okay, so there was a iRacing Drivers World in Facebook. There was a, for, there was a post in there about, hey, wouldn't it be fun to get everyone's kids into a race together and let the kids race. And of course the comments were like, Oh, that's against policy. You know, you can't let somebody else race your account, this, this, and that. So one of the guys who was trying to organize at George Williams, uh, apparently wrote iRacing and asked, uh, or, or presented the idea and asked, you know, Hey, can we do this? Uh, and he did get a response, and he put up a picture of the letter, um, and it said, uh, "Hi George, normally iRacing is a single-user license and violates our terms of service. Otherwise, but having said that, we encourage drivers to show iRacing to their friends and family. So, running test or hosted sessions to try it out should be fine. But after that, they should create their own iRacing accounts. We hope this answers your question. So, tested or hosted, you know." One-time deal is is okay, but after that, they need to get their own account. Sounds like a pretty good deal. It seems fair. All right, I got the next one, and my uh, my kindred spirit is joining Monday Night Racing. Rowdy again? Yeah, he's going to be running the full-time 2021-22 season four campaign. Uh, so, I would love to get in there and race against him, and and. Uh, See which one of us can be can be more disruptive, but nah, he, he's going to go in there and probably do a good job now that he's getting a little bit more familiar with iRacing. racing. So, did you tell us who it was? Well, Rowdy. Oh, Rowdy Burns. Kyle Bush. Yeah, I remember he did he did a lot of those races last last season for the Monday Night Racing League, and it was it was a really cool league because 
they had some interesting combinations. I remember one of the races was uh, the pro trucks at Watkins Glen. So they were kind of thinking out of the box with some of their racing uh, combinations. And uh, so, yeah, it was fun to follow that league. We, we did a couple stories on on him racing those leagues and those races. And uh, it was really cool to see. And I'm glad he's going to be doing it again next year. And the the league is sponsored by Rowdy Energy. And I was telling the you guys in the in our chat, this has got to be the best league to be in because of Kyle's in it. You know, to be to to go racing on a Monday night and uh, race with Kyle Busch on a regular basis, that's freaking awesome. I mean, I want in. TJ Majors is in it. Um, it's it's the it's basically almost a private league for a lot of the big names, both in iRacing and uh, and real racing that to get together and race. Yeah, they won't be needing to recruit drivers. <laughs> uh, we need David Hall to get an invite to that league, please. Not if my luck keeps going away, it's been going. I'll help you with that. We'll get into more of that later. Um, but uh, first, Brian's going to tell us a little bit about the IRX World Championship. Yeah, so uh, they were in round five as well as um, the uh, Grand Prix series. They're in round five. This was at Barcelona's rally cross track, and the win goes to Tommy Hallman. And this is his second win of the season. He won the opener that season, and uh, and uh, John Robertson is actually still holding a near eleven point lead in that series with four races to go. So. Uh, it's coming down to the second half of the season in the Rallycross World Championships, and it looks like uh, it's going to be a tight, tight, tight finish for the whole year. Is that a Mustang on the picture? That's a Subaru. Oh, okay. I'm, uh, my eyes are not working really good for me. I literally thought it said Mustang across the front. I was confused. I missed this race. I, I watched it last week, but I, I missed it this week. Um, but I, I need to go back and find the replay. So staying on the kind of the roadish side, but being staying all pavement, we've got that IMSA has announced they're excited to announce the renewal of their partnership with iRacing and IMSA iRacing Pro Series. So um, we're going to at least still have the IMSA sports cars. So we don't know how it'll work out with with the uh, European side, but IMSA still going to be around. Yeah, through 2023. So that's a long term deal. That's great. I, you know, when they announced this partnership agreement whatever i'm the first thing that comes in my mind is who's getting paid i mean are who's paying who is it iRacing paying imza or is it imza paying iRacing you know there may be sometimes when it is not actually necessarily a money changing hands things but mutual promotion right they can both get it's a rising tide raises all boats kind of thing uh we've had a similar deal in the past with some leagues sometimes we promote them and they would promote us and we both we both benefit from it even though we're not actually paying any money. I get the impression that at this point, IMS is paying iRacing, but I'm, I'm not sure. It's just the, the way it kind of reads. That would be my guess, especially at this point in iRacing's development. When in the past, it might've been the other way around. Like, you know, oh, you want to race our cars and you need to pay for a license or something, right? Does anybody want to go back to school? I'm there every day. Well, after I reading mean, this topic, I want to now. I, I failed out of IT school, but this looks fun. On Thursday, October 21st, the Foresight Dynamics Dallara iRacing Grand Prix Championship will broadcast live from the newly opened Ball State Esports Center. That's just three hours from me. I'm 
I'd like to go up there. So our guest that we had on, Drew Adamson, who's the chief broadcaster, I guess you'd call him, of all these esports races, he graduated from here, and he's alumni, and apparently he's helped the school develop an esports program where students can literally sign up to have, you know, an esports, you know, training, whatever they call it. And so they have a, a, a proper broadcast uh, facility uh, there on campus. And so to test it and further prove it out, um, they're actually broadcasting this race from that facility. So there's a couple of things I want to say on this. First, how cool is it, you know, that they have a training for this for students. But second, this is like a backup facility for iRacing. Like, you know, heaven forbid something went wrong when the, the primary office where their broadcast facility was not available. Maybe they have no power or internet or something. Uh, they could drive over here and, 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 and the show can go on. Yeah. And that's, I really like that they're using this to train broadcasters. I mean, the best way to, to, to train on something is by doing it. And it's not always that easy to get into maybe a professional sports league or even professional racing league where you can just go out there and, and practice your craft uh, where, you know, they can take, I mean, they can do a ton of different races, not just these main world championship races. They can do special events or anything like that, that really uh, can, can get some of these uh, students some real world experience in broadcasting. Yeah, he calls it the next generation of esports production professionals. I mean, if I was a college student looking for something to do, I mean, that sounds like fun uh, to be a esports production professional. I think I have a new nickname now for Evan with it, with this building being added. We'll have to start calling him the professor. Hey, uh, he would be a great uh, teacher uh, for one of those classes, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's made the trend. I mean, uh, when iRacing went on live TV, um, when they were doing some of the live coverage of some of their events, you know, he was on there and he was doing the same thing he does during the regular, uh, regular series races. But, you know, it's just a lot of exposure when it comes on to uh, network TV. And it shows you how, how well it can translate from one to the next. Yeah. So, you know, it this, this is really good, I think, as a backup facility for the broadcast. Um, like I said, in a worst case scenario, hey, you know, we've, we know we can, you know, drive over here to Ball State University. Uh, they'll let us, you know, borrow up uh, their equipment where we can broadcast the Coke race while, you know, our office burns down or whatever's happening. Um, so to have that backup, that's pretty cool. So, hey, Mike, uh, where is it that you live? Oh, Gilbert, Arizona. Which is, a, what, a suburb of where? Phoenix. Yeah, I, I'm really talking like with my teacher voice now. And what's happening to Phoenix? Well, we knew this, but it's finally announced in the forums. Everything is excited to announce that a fully updated and rescanned version of Phoenix Raceway will be coming to iRacing for immediate release very soon. So they listened to my tweet. <laughs> yeah, kind of contradicts right. itself immediate very soon. Mm. 
the next patch will probably have it is what that means yeah so uh, well at least we're not waiting until the next to the end of the season so and i guess the question is is going to be ready for the phoenix race that's the way i read it in between the lines it will be it will be interesting because all the setup shops are probably going to be like oh what do we do now it says it says the track update will feature brand new environmental artwork, updated textures and objects, and a complete restrict scan of the track surface fresh from 2021. Now, the controversy, I guess it is a controversy. Uh, it's notated that this fully updated version of Phoenix Raceway will replace the current version of Phoenix Raceway, which was scanned in 2012. This replacement will cause the older track version to be retired from the iRacing service. So retired is different than archived or whatever. So it right. wouldn't be legacy then. It's not Correct. legacy. Correct. It's, it's gone. It's like gone, gone, gone. So you can't run it. One of the things they mentioned in this post was that, you know, if you have a replay that you have of the legacy Phoenix track as it is now, the list a legacy, you won't even be able to watch a replay on it anymore. So they tell you some a couple of different ways where you can where you can save that file to a different place so that you don't lose lose that replay. So you can't even you can't even watch a replay on that track. I don't no. even really I don't really save replays that are more than a year or two old anyway now, you know. You'll mark a sit, replay and like like my first win, and then it sits there and collects dust like everything else does in your house. Yeah. Now I, a couple of twitters I saw uh, opposing this. Um, David Childhouse, he said, "I do not support making content that users paid for inaccessible. That doesn't feel good at all. They've given the legacy treatment to plenty, if not all, a previous paid for content. Why not this?" Uh, what other content has been retired from the game? I truly do not know. Now, I recall the super late model they did this to, right, Adam? Yeah, I didn't like that because I really love the body on that car. And this new one, you got to paint it kind of funny so it doesn't look like a brick. But in this case, they are not making anybody buy the track again. All right. Anytime something has been converted to legacy, they've put the new track out as for purchase for purchase so you had to turn around and like when texas came out or was it texas or or the new daytona came out or well the new charlotte was included but any any of the newer tracks that were put out for purchase they would leave the legacy there because people had already bought that in this case they're it's really just an update it's not it's not they're getting rid of old content and and taking away from her it's just an update to the current track they they got rid of the old SK and Tour modified that was from like two thousand two three four and gave us the new one, but they got rid of the old one completely. So yeah, that's I, another car. Okay. Yeah, I, I I knew there was a couple cars that had gone that way. I haven't heard of a track go that way before though. But I just I I can't agree with David here that that in this case you're not losing content. You're 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 getting newer content in place of older content. And, and they're not asking for a cent, right? So I understand the part that the racing surface hasn't changed. I mean, they haven't, you know, repaved. They haven't, you know, changed the actual track. But there's so much change at Phoenix. I, you know, I, I went out there for years and years. And now when I go out there, it's like a whole different place. I mean, I can't, you don't even recognize it. Uh, and, and it has a lot to do with the pit road and, 
the way that they got rid of pit road and down in one and two and, and pushed it way back into the infield to make a big grassy area uh, there. And, and so it, it's way different. And even though the track surface hasn't changed, I still feel like it's a different track. So I don't know. But are you going to go back and race a different older track just because it's pit road is in a different place? Yeah, good point. And there is there is a legacy Phoenix already still out there. From yeah, from the 2008 version will still be out there. That's right. Yeah, with the grass dog legs and all. So does is does that mean the current Phoenix that's available right now does that become the legacy Phoenix and then the new one? No, becomes it goes it, away. Or it's just it just goes away and then there's. See, I I don't understand why they would do that though. I mean. I mean, if they're relegating the new track to, to to legacy, and then updating, you know, doesn't seem doesn't make sense why they would need to do that. I should say. That's the thing. It's virtual. I mean, it's not like, oh, it's taking up space, you know, and we can't have too many. Or it's virtual. Why can't we have three versions of the Phoenix? Because if they did that, they would they would end up going ahead and charging for Phoenix. I think they're doing it this. I'll pay for it. Take my money. Charging. Yeah, but. Some for for every one of you, there will be one that doesn't want to pay for it. I just I don't think it's a negative. I think it's a neutral, really. All right, because you're getting you're getting a, a, a free upgraded content uh, and not having to spend on it. And co- people are just constantly complaining about how much iRacing cost. And here we are getting getting an up a full update for free, and then somebody's still bitching about it. You know, iRacing is also is going to turn into as the years wear on a historical record of racetracks as they've evolved from through the years you know you know look at how texas and bristol have evolved atlanta is now evolving california huge changes at california montana and and to, and to have a a version of every track in i racing for these various places i think is cool and in this scenario you're literally erasing you know from 2008 you know or no it's 2012 to 2021 racing at phoenix can't happen anymore in i racing if you're like like oh i'm going to run a, a special league that's you know i'm going to shoot for the 2018 series and we're all going to have the right paint jobs but we can't go to the the phoenix race uh, that was you know 2018 version because they got rid of it but we're not in 2018 we're not running the 2018 version anyway yeah, we know the car, right? No, no, it's it's the start line's in the wrong place. It's been for two years now. Yeah, guess, good point. I guess I'll give me two thousand eight Phoenix. I like that one better. I guess. I guess I my point. I guess my point would be: I, I understand what you're saying, Dave, and I, I think it's really cool that they're offering it without uh, charging you for it. I just don't understand what the downside is of keeping it on the service. What's the bad right. part about that? That they have to remove it. Why does it have to go away? My best guess is having to continue to support the track as they upgrade tire models and cars and vehicles and stuff. And they don't, they don't do. record, they don't, they don't do that with the older tracks, but at some point there may just be, it, it, it may just be too much effort to maintain that, that track because it's so much more similar to the 18, to the newer version than, than the other versions. And, and essentially what is changing is the position of the start finish line. Um, so I would have been okay. I would have been okay if they put out a new version too, but I don't think it's it's worth griping about. All right, I won't gripe then. 
I was, yeah, yeah, race, I, I wasn't griping anyway. I just was just didn't understand what, what the necessity of removing it was. But it is what it is. It's going to be fun to race, and whenever the Phoenix race comes up here, when is it? Next week? The week after? Anyway, we got Kansas, Martinsville, and uh, Phoenix. Phoenix, right? Yeah. Okay, three weeks. So. You know, the, remember the big green neon cactus at the start-finish line uh, with all the yellow when the yellow comes out? It's going to look really cool to race there. So speaking of being at real-life tracks or real-life iRacers, uh, Adam, you have this next one telling us about an yeah, iRacer I, winning a championship. I witnessed something pretty amazing this this year develop. Uh, Max Cookson is an iRacing regular, and he's only 18 years old, and he won the Pass Mod Championship this year. He started in Go-Kart go-karts at the age of four he then got into a legend car and he wrecked it and he quit racing for a while and on the black flag podcast this week he said in an interview that he raced from the time he was four to he was 12 took a few years off got pretty heavy into sim racing with leagues and then he won ten thousand dollars went and bought a pass mod last year ran a couple races and he did okay and then this year, I'm a little jealous because we were trying to win the championship. He went and won six races, got DQ'd in a race, lost 100 points, got all the points back, and came back and won the championship and passed us. And it's pretty incredible watching somebody that I race with on here go out and do that. That's really cool. And, and it sounds like from the story and his history that, you know, he's, he raced when he was a kid, but he, he sounds like he almost really honed his craft on the service and actually won enough money to actually get back in the real racing to where he's used that knowledge and that racecraft to really excel this past year. And something that he said was the racing might be a little bit different, but the scenarios that he gets put into is the same thing you're put into thousands of times on here. And I can attest to that as well. And he's, he, he sold that car and he's going super late model racing next year. So he's moving up quick. Has he raced any uh, Winston West or Arca or anything like that? Uh, his name really rings a bell with me for some reason. No, he's only 18. Okay. What do you guys think of that? Do it's you... a cool story, and I've just said in Messenger, you need to get him on the show. That, uh, you know, we've talked about driver training before, um, you know, using iRacing for that, and and I was, and I already said that you know when you go to hire a driver, you need to look at their iRacing profile. And I mean, what happens if you go look at Max's profile, Adam? I mean, he he's probably got some pretty good stats, huh? Yeah, I haven't looked a lot, but I know he does a lot of league racing. He was kicking my butt last night till he crashed. All right, now we'll jump into the events calendar. The first one I've got is the Double A Esports Four Hundred. I actually came across this right as we were getting ready to start the show on my Facebook feed because I. Um, I've got a decent con uh, connection with with Jeff McConey, so it's um, it's an update. And basically, what's really cool about it is th that it's the super late model winner is going to win the same custom Nashville guitar that the NASCAR drivers get in real life. He's actually going to get one of those models. Sign me up. <laughs> And it's not too late to sign up. It's on. It, you can go to podiumesports.com slash AA400. And then actually the link, the link, I don't know why there's so much more of a link there, but just go to Podium Esports and you'll probably be able to find the information. Is it fixed or open or you got to dig further? I would have to dig further. 
that's pretty cool. That that kind of a trophy. You just imagine. Yeah, I like that in real racing too, when they don't just get your standard trophy, no matter how big they are, or how fancy they are. But who doesn't like the clocks at Martinville or the lobsters and uh, and that kind of stuff's so cool. The monster trophy is really cool. Then we cover a few episodes ago the actual an actual mini monster trophy that was given out for a coke race win oh yeah that was nice continuing i think i actually have the next event too don't i we have the suzuka 10 hours we covered this last week it's uh running november 5th through 7th there's going to be um it's the standard four time slots of 2200 700 1200 and 1600 gmt and if i remember correctly without even diving into it it's basically all of the gt3 cars yeah, a reminder there. And the next event is Scott Bolster is back. Uh, David and I raced in his league uh, about a year ago, I guess it was, where we raced radicals on ovals. And then we did like old indie cars on a variety of cir- circuits. But on Thursday nights, well, he's back and he's got a new league and it's called Man Cave After Dark Truck Series. And it's going to be Thursday nights. Um, the times are 9 p.m. Eastern uh, qualifying for practice, 9.45 for qualifying, and 10 p.m. Eastern for the uh, race. So it's West Coast friendly, which I love. Um, and so there is a Google document link where you can sign up to, uh, you know, to get signed up. And so he's got a schedule posted. Um, at this point, he still doesn't have enough drivers. And so once he gets enough, um, it's going to be kind of a focus on short ovals more than anything to try to go back to the original roots of the truck series kind of thing. Uh, they do have a practice or recruitment race in hosted tonight after the recording. It's a long season. It's it's pretty cool. It's like a 30, 30 week season, and uh, they even got some uh, road courses in there too. I see uh, Summit Points in there, uh, so that's pretty cool. I wish these cool these uh these things didn't go on the nights we record though. <laughs> that's the main reason I'm I'm not going to do it. I just not did not enjoy combining having to get in the, get into the practice and edit the race as well. I mean, edit the podcast. I wish I had yeah. the race sometimes. <laughs> now I might try to sneak to try to do this. Uh, Adam, you said you might try to sign up with me as well. Yeah, sorry. What were we on? I got We're on the uh the Man truck Cave series. After Dark Truck League. Adam's oh, yeah. busy snapping somebody, I think. I was messaging Max. That was that was the issue I had with uh with the uh, IROC series, which was really a good cool series, but um, I just never able to get on there quick enough to practice or anything else. So I kind of, kind of wasn't able to follow up on that league, unfortunately, but these Thursday night leagues are just tough for me with, a uh, well, with it's a late start, you know, yeah. I, but it is my day off. So I have you're, no problem with that. And you're on West coast time too. So you're, right. you're a little earlier. Yeah. So it, it, this can work out good for me. And so, uh, they have that practice race tonight. I'm going to jump in and, and I hope, you know, obviously I'm not going to run it if Scott doesn't have enough drivers. And so you got to have 20 or so cars at least. And and I hope everyone turns up. Uh, this could be a good league to run through the winter, guys. Um, you know, I'm trying to figure out what we're going to run off season. You know, we're going to run winter league, uh, David. Uh, and a few of us are signed up for the winter league. 
what day is that, David? That's Mondays, right? Yeah. Right. So and then it's an easier night. To, no, no, no. The winter series will run on Wednesdays. Wednesdays. Right. And then I'm going to run this on Thursdays. So I'll have a couple nights a week. I'll have a, a regular thing going. Race all winter. Get the winter through here quick. <laughs> Let's jump into housekeeping. Don't forget about the Aftermath podcast. Don't forget about our, our website, iracerslounge.com. What a great resource for hardware. Oh, man, you can find anything on our website. And we've only had it up this uh, for less than one year so far. Um, but check it out. We're also on Performance Motorsports Network. Yeah, Mike, Mike basically built his whole rig out of stories we did on the show. That's right. It was all research. Podcast Fantasy League. In a casual setting. Well, Brian, how did y'all's fantasy weekend go this week? Well, I forgot to get my picks in in time. I was tied up into something and I missed the start of the race. But um, I didn't do too bad. I got 19th for the week, considering I had all my road course drivers in from from the Roval. But uh, if you guys remember, heading into with uh, Texas, uh, Res Dog was holding a slim 10-point lead over Tony Groves, who, who had really moved up the rankings and closed within 10 points. So uh, we got to see how uh, this week added to it. And actually, Res Dog won the week and finished uh, 20 points ahead of Tony. So now the gap is 30 points. So Tony's got 30 points to make up in three weeks to take this title back. I so, think Tony uh, just lost in one week. He just lost it. Uh, 30 points you can make up. I mean, he made up 20 points in just this one week, and uh, and Tony finished fifth for the week, and Res Dog won. So, uh, Stephen Llewellyn got second place for the week, and Greg, too bad Greg's not here. He got third place for Texas. Good job, Greg. Wow. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so uh, Tony Crows is in second for the whole championship. Chris Scales is in eighth, Jedi McFly. Uh, Tony the Tiger, Tony Rochette's in 13th, Greg's in 14th, Stephen Llewellyn's in 15th, Tyler's in 16th. So all these, all these supposed guys are all bunched up together from uh, 13th and 16th. All right, and, Adam, uh, he just disappeared, huh? <laughs> you missed a few weeks or what? A miss? A few? <laughs> 20. All right, and then who do you guys like for this uh, next race? Kyle Larson. God, <laughs> really? How do you bet against Kyle Larson? I mean, I don't think you can. How do you bet against any of the Hendricks on mile and a half? They're so fast. I mean, all of them were really good last week. Um, um, so uh, you can't go wrong with any of the Hendricks guys. Um, um, Chase really needs a, a big week to get back into the top four in points. So I expect to see I, if I, I would be going with Chase this week for the win. He needs it really bad. He's got he's going to have the good cars. It's the kind of track that he, uh, that Hendricks really excels at. He's just got to focus not on Kevin Harvick and just do his thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, even Kevin said he needs to focus on actually running fast and in, in the fastest cars in the series. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. So something that can help you run a little bit faster jumps us into our first hardware story. We got the best way to set up V3 pedals video. Um, I gave this a watch and the 
simplest synopsis is make the break as stiff as possible. Essentially, um, when you're dry, when you're using pedals, especially the brake pedal. I mean, um, I, when I learned when I learned this, it it made a huge difference. Especially with the brake pedal, you basically want to feel how hard you're braking via pressure rather than distance, right? So if you're on the on the really old style pedals, um, you you're basically trying to hold the brake somewhere in the middle if you want to get the right amount of of braking, but for a real a real brake when you press against it because of that hydraulic feeling you're pressing against pressure more than distance and if there's any play in the distance that's just that doesn't really do that much so that is essentially the trick he he actually replaces the the non-colored bumper that comes with the brake kit and puts like two reds and a green in there or two greens i don't remember the exact combination but he basically goes for making it as as resistant to motion as possible yeah that makes sense i'm definitely gonna watch this for my v3s do you have a brake kit because i have one that i couldn't install because i couldn't get my v3s apart yeah i've got the brake kit and i've also got the dampener for the gas pedal um but i bought mine used and i just looked in and in there from the guy who had it before me he gave me all the extra pieces so i'm gonna make sure i've got the correct ones in there to what this guy's showing yeah my well, brakes are mashed potatoes they're really soft are you on V3s? Yep. Yeah, you want to you want to take out the I think it's kind of a yellow colored one, creamish, really, really soft, kind of creamish, and he actually cuts one of the red or green ones down to meet to match that length. And so you you want to get it about as is basically as stiff as you can so that you you get the muscle memory from pressure. That's why like the brakes I have now, the hydraulic ones are they're so great because I can feel how hard I'm pushing. I don't have to, I don't have to feel how far I'm pushing. It just makes it so much easier. And that when we were in the long race, when it, when the air bubble started affecting my pedals, it got so hard to drive just because I lost that ability to feel the pressure. Um, I know that, uh, Tyler teammate, Tyler Williamson, he's waiting on his set of V3s from, uh, Fanatec to be shipped out with his new CSL DD. So I want to tell him to watch this video so he can set it up the right way the first time, get it, get it, get, get it good for him. Yeah. All right, Brian, we've got a Sim Magic flagship alpha with a big savings opportunity. Yeah. So uh, if you're looking for a uh, new uh, direct drive wheel, the Sim Magic's uh, flagship. 15 net newton meter alpha wheelbase is going to be on sale for a limited time until the, that's uh, until the end of the year so until uh, december 31st it's going to be on sale for 1000 us dollars 900 euros so uh that might be something you want to look look into it's uh it's on sale now and you save a few bucks so they're undercutting Fanatec a bit there. I think uh, the DD1 is, what, 1100 or 1200 Yeah, um, it's a little higher on strength, the DD1 is. I think that's a 20 newton meter, right? And then the DD2 yeah, is 20, and this is 15. DD is 25. I mean, yeah, you can probably go either way, I guess. But, um, yeah, something you might want to look into. Yeah, because it's the basically the same price as, like, the – sim vibe that i've got or um accuforce that I've got. yeah sim experience accuforce that i've got and then if you buy the upgraded power supply it's like 15 newton meters for that price so 
There's lots of good options for DD uh, wheels now. That's for sure. All right, next up I have is the Zero Play 120X chassis mount offers 80 degrees of total adjustment, reverse mounting option, plus lots more. It's specifically designed for the SimLab P1X, and of course it can be used on a number of Sim chassis. Now this is a uh, wheel mount, basically, uh, made by Hybrid Racing Simulations. And uh, boy, this thing looks beefy. And that was one of the reasons I got a SimLab P1X anyway, was the wheel mount that they provide as, you know, stock with it is top notch and there's no movement in it. But if you're uh, building a rig or if you have a, a semi cube or something like that, um, you might want to check this out. Now, does, does yours have the adjustability like the zero play one has, Mike? Not as much. I mean, I have some angle that I have to play with. It's not a lot. Um, and to move the thing forward and back, you're moving the whole shebang. So Right. That's what I was looking at, and I thought was probably the real game changer that most of those uh, wheelbase mounts don't have is that ability to slide the wheelbase forward and backwards. And it looks like this has that, huh? Everything this company puts out, though, is like, wow. Uh, the the P1X rig that comes with it, you 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 can kind of control the the forward and backwards motion pretty easily too. You have the side mounts, right, Mike? Yeah, I have side mounts. Yeah, that's the same as I have. Um, and you you can actually position that entire. I mean, you just have to move the whole cross. You have to move mount, the whole thing, right? But that gives you that. You still have that same lateral adjustment. It's just the screws are in a different place. On mine, I've, I actually have it as forward or towards me as much as I possibly could. And I have the screens back as far as I possibly could to try to make room for the the the, tele, or the, the cell phone that I have on top of the wheel. Um, and, it, and it worked, and it's just perfect. So, Yeah, and it, it, can, it comes with uh, – you, you can control the tilt of the wheel pretty easily too just with what comes with the PO1X. Yeah, the tilt I can change with just a couple screws, yeah. Now, about, about the only difference is this would be – I don't know. It might be quicker to adjust with this, but it, is this only – Looking at this, doesn't that basically only hold a sim cube? Yeah, this is a specifically for a semi cube, I think. So, Brian, since we know you're the uh, hydraulic pedal guy, uh, tell us about the the Pro Plus. Yeah, this is a nice looking set of pedals. It's, uh, the Pro Plus series pedals, Pro Plus hydraulic sim pedals from Valeska's Engineering, and it features the. Tilton 600 series floor mounted pedal assembly, which is actually one of the most popular pedal assemblies they say used in real race cars. And all the hydraulics are handled by high quality, the Wheelwood Master and Speedway Slave Cylinders. So uh, it, they're using really good quality parts. Um, it's coming on, coming in just under two, two grand in 1950. So, you know, they are on the high end as far as uh, pedals go, but they look like they're really well made. They use good parts. Um, so if, if you're a high-end pedal guy, this might be something you want to take a peek at here. They're running about the same price as the Sim Cubes. And um, I, being I own Sim Coach. Or Sim Coach. Um, here's the reasons I would like the Sim Coach just right off the bat, even before I had bought them. Um, it uh, These just have the upper surface pedals, whereas the Sim Coach, is the, the throttle is kind of full length 
you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? This throttle, this throttle is just a small little gun. So if you like to sit your heel down, you're not going to get a good feel. And then the other big difference is, uh, you, it doesn't look like you can really control the width of the pedals. I have my brake and clutch very far to the left because I left foot brake. And I don't think you can really do that with this set. It's like only designed for heel toe braking, I think. So it looks like there's a, a reservoir, a hydraulic fluid reservoir for each of the three pedals. That's always the case. Well, like on my pedals, though, it's only on the brake. But you don't have hydraulic. You're load cell, aren't you? No, my, my brake is uh, hydraulic, but the uh -huh. others are not. Okay. Yeah, for each each one that's actually hydraulic, it, it it's going to have to have a slay cylinder and a master cylinder. That's just how they work. Now, we first heard of this guy, Velasquez, several months ago. We, we ran his stories. He was on the Facebook groups showing his custom-built pedals that he built from scratch on his own. And they were so good that he's turned it into a business. And uh, so he's got a website. And he's selling these pedals now. Um, and so check it out. His website, Velasquez Engineering, with a dash in between, .com. We're going to shift over to Adam now. Yeah, shorter shaft on a shifter. Um, Kevin Sheck is selling a... Can you say that three times fast? <laughs> shorter shaft on a shifter by Kevin Sheck. Oof. Um, he's Kevin I've said his name three times, but Kevin Sheck is selling on eBay a Fanatec version 1.25 shorter shifter shaft. I guess so you can get a shorter throw on your shifting? It's custom made. It's neat. Yeah, exactly. So you, I, I watched a, a, a video on this, a, a review video on Boosted Media, where they um, where he uh, he installed one of these. So basically, you just unscrew that, that shaft that comes with your uh, V1.5 um, Fanatec shifter. You take that shaft off and screw the new one on and it's just a shorter version so supposedly it gives you a little bit more precise control over your shifting you know you don't travel far when you're uh, shifting gears especially in the h pattern and uh it's a uh, it's just a little bit more precise they said and uh, it was uh rated pretty well it was reviewed pretty well by uh boosted media pretty cool i have to try that well, i get it wow um, as of right now, the eBay store that it's on says they're currently out and that um, he's not making a whole lot of them. So you might want to save that page and just keep checking it every once in a while. Everybody's out of everything. Nobody can get parts. I can't even get soda right now. I work for Coke and we just not plugging my job or anything, but we run it. We ran out of Coke last week. How do you run out of Coke? It's like McDonald's running out of your Coke's. It's like iRacing running out of servers. It just doesn't work. It's like trying to make a console in a NASCAR game. It just doesn't doesn't work. Yeah, we had, um, for March this season, I ordered some wireless mics in August. And the, now the ex expected date is December to receive them. We have our last game in two weeks. Right, like that's going to help. Well, Brian, we're now coming up on SemiCube Online Store. I think Brian's a little lost in the notes. Yeah, no. Um, so I do remember reading this one. Um, so SemiCube actually is, for the first time, it's actually selling directly off their own website. Yeah, you always had to buy these from somewhere else, but now you can buy them direct. 
Yeah, so um, you've always had to buy them from another distributor. Um, so uh, now you can buy them directly from Semicube. Um, they actually, unfortunately, we did get this sooner, but um, they were actually offering free delivery for the first week of the launch of their website. But unfortunately, that's passed now. So you're going to be paying the freight on that bad boy. I haven't checked if their prices are any different than when they sell them through um the other uh, distributors so i can't tell you that but if that's something you're interested definitely check this store out and compare you know you compare shop and uh see you get the best price you can for it okay and i think i see what you were talking about brian as far as skipping uh shifters because adam you talked about your second shifter item instead of your first one there was a diy printed racing up a little bit oh did i go the wrong one yes pro audio here guys whoops this is a hobby podcast, just for the record. Now, David, that's not the only thing that they announced was the new website, but what else? Well, I don't know if they've announced it, but there's a couple of reviews out in with uh, the SimuCube wheel rim that they have now as well. And it's a kind of a GT-style rim. It's got a good button layout, and I scanned through two reviews, and they seem to both both be pretty impressed with it. I know one guy did recommend wearing gloves with the kind of velvet or felt rim so that you don't wear that felt out. 822 um, euros. And the reviews, there were two video reviews and in both reviews, they, they held this wheel up to the Fanatec version of the same wheel and they are carbon copies, pretty much. I mean, the button it, the button box is uh, got a, a tiny different shape to it. The center of the wheel has a different shape to it. But other than that, they're identical. Um, so I don't know if there's a lot of innovation on this wheel, uh, considering that. But uh, but yeah, now when you buy a semi-cube base, you can get a wheel uh, right on their website. They even sell uh, high skin bell pedals on the website as well. So before we go on down, let's jump back up and cover that DIY pedal there, Adam, or shifter. So there's a, I actually wrote it down in the notes on my phone. I was prepared. Um, let me find it. Uh-oh. So where, okay, so there's a 3D printed shifter. It's a, um, and there's directions on how to print it out and how, the parts you need. And yeah, you can build your own shifter. So when it breaks, you can blame yourself. Pretty cool if you have a 3D printer. Yeah, this is from uh, Beavis Motorsports, kind of like Beavis and Butthead. But uh, Beavis Motorsports, and you know, you—it's a sequential shifter that you can build from the ground up if you have uh, if you have a 3D printer. So uh, it's something you want to look into if you got that uh, access to that kind of equipment. And uh, you can make your own stuff, probably, probably for pennies on the dollar. How sturdy would it be if it if it's the plastic 3D versus the the metallic 3D? I don't know, but you, I'm sure grabbing mine sometimes and like trying to rip it off the the rig, uh, I would be afraid if it was plastic. Yeah, when when you go from second to first on a restart, man, you you, you might start wailing on that bad boy. It's kind of neat on their website. They have. So they have a list of the 3D printed components, and then they have a list of the non-3D printed components that you have to get, you know, very specifically. Like you need four M3 washers, you need four M3 bolts, you need four M3 nuts, and so forth. And it gives you a, basically a parts list. 
with links where to buy it on eBay as well. So that's handy. But yeah, if you're handy, uh, this is great. It gives you all the instructions on what to do and uh, how to how to put it together, how to wire it, everything. I would definitely be leaving bolts loose. It's probably why my go kart falls apart every race or practice. Freaking motor coming off. Yeah, you don't want me putting that shifter together. All right, we're going to do uh, another one here. Uh, this guy on Facebook, Andy Simons, posted up in the Sim Racing Facebook group. Hey, setting up my triple monitors, and I need some advice on FOV. And what he shows is a picture of, I think it's his garage, and he has a triple projector setup going that's projecting like onto the walls. And it's massive. And uh, they, he shows a second picture where he shows like the alignment grid for the, the three projectors. And uh, boy, he does have them lined up just perfectly. You can tell by the grid. I mean, that is almost manufacturer sim level right there. It's it running it off of a laptop. Jeez. Yeah, you could park your car right in front of that, and it would look like you're really there. That's the thing. You could put any cockpit right in the middle of that room and, and race. I don't know. I mean, is it, is it too big, though? I mean, everything would be giant. I mean, the car in front of you would be, you know, literally 10 feet wide or whatever. Not if you get the FOV right. He's got a nice angle to it. Um, and, it, you know, it, it, even though I say it's a garage or something, it's hard to tell what it is. He does have, like, walls up so he can get the right angle that are against the actual walls. And they're not a 90-degree angle. There is a, a bend to it, so to speak. Right. This isn't just, the, you know, the corner of the room. You know, these walls were were built, I'm sure, just to get the angles and everything that he was looking for for this uh, setup. So yeah, he's going all out there. Are we sure this wasn't a Brian, like, secret build or something? <laughs> I don't have a garage. It's because you, sp- you spend all that money on racing equipment. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> all right, we're going to do another one here. Uh, Sim Magic Alpha Mini Unboxing. Uh Panda's a little drift posted on Instagram the unboxing video of the Sim Magic Alpha Mini he bought from Sim Racing Pros. And uh, yeah, if you're interested in seeing what this is all about, this wheel, this is a great video because, uh, you know, he takes it out of the box, he shows it to you, he shows everything that comes with it, the parts, and, you know, does a, a span around the, the unit so you can take a look at it. And, the big thing that, you know, stands out in my mind when I look at this thing is the front of it where the where the wheel hooks to is this massive. I don't know. Maybe it's just looks massive compared to the, the back part of it where the actual motor is because it's smaller. I don't know. Yeah, it is a pretty small mo- motor compared to, say, the DD1. Are we ready to talk results? Yeah, let's jump over to results. We'll talk the uh, NASCAR iRacing series first, of course, as usual, and finish up Texas Friday Open P12. I was going forward first uh, run. I had a green flag stop and, of course, a caution. Man, that happens a lot when I have green flag stops. It seems like a caution comes out shortly after. I had to take a wave around, lost all my track position. Um, at one point, I actually faded hard after that, and I had hit the wall a couple times. 
And then at one point there was a huge wreck and I couldn't miss it. Um, so I pretty much rode home from there and, and took the P12. I don't know who else raced with me that night. Uh, so we'll move on to Sunday open, Kyle P8. Uh, yeah, started on the pole actually. Uh, one of my first poles in quite a while. I think it's actually my first NIS pole, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but quickly I fell back uh, when I got loose off of two. Uh, on lap two, I couldn't keep the back end of the car straight most of the race, but was able to work my way back up to the front and stay in the top five. 26 to go, and caution comes out, pit for fresh tires, and just overdrove it and ended up a P8. Still not too bad. Uh, David, P20. Yeah, I had a good car. was doing okay. I was going to get out of this kind of slump thing I had going and just got taken out by a car who, came, who decided to come all the way down from the wall to the inside lane on the front stretch. Just all the way down and just came down and slammed me. Your luck has been something lately. Yeah, he's about to acquire a new spotter. I don't have a spotter. Oh, uh, okay. All right, Sunday fixed. I ran P6. Uh, went from the back to the front multiple times. Got wrecked once and was dead last even at one point. But I kept screwing up on pit road, not having my tires ready. So I got my new button box and I had watched a video that said, make sure to uncheck or, or to go into app I and I and change your, your pit box so it doesn't check your tires every time. And that way you can use your buttons to decide, you know, your fuel and your tires and that kind of thing. And so that's what I did. But of course, after, you know, 10 years of racing, not doing that, I forget. I roll into pit road, I park it on in, my, in the box and the guys are standing there on the wall. I'm like, what are you waiting for? Oh crap, I didn't check the, the box for my tires. And so I kept losing all my track position because I kept screwing up that. And so that even happened last night. David, you told me, you know, change that crap back the way it was. And that and I did, I did change that last night. So I won't screw that up again. Yeah, I have four buttons that run across on, on the right side of my JRT. So the first one is clear fuel. The second one is clear tires. The third one is right side tires. And the fourth one is four tires. So if I want to go right side, I do have to hit clear tires and then and then right side tires. But that just works better because most of the time I'm like, you know, you're coming in, especially if it's a green flag stop, you're coming in hot. You're like, uh, you don't have time to start hitting add tires when, when you're about to pit. So it's better you, you don't take tires less often than you do take tires. So make taking tires the default. Right, yeah, and that's what I did. I, I you know, I, I ran a few days like that and, and every time I would screw it up. So um, yeah, enough of that. I'm pretty happy with it. I got a P6 in open and a P6 in fixed. So not too bad for Texas for me. Let's go Kansas racing. David, you broke the, the, the bad luck, it was P5. Yeah, finally, not really much happened in this race, just some long runs and cautions that were nowhere near me. So I didn't die. Um, it wasn't top split because I've lost 900 I rating in the last three weeks, but I'll, you know, it still breaks the streak. All right, and I, uh, so we had three guys in the same uh, split, um, Kyle, uh, me, and Tony Rochette. Tony Rochette, he said, I suck 18th. Uh, Kyle, P14. I started actually P14. Um, when the green flag flew, 
the adjustments just weren't right and the car was real tight and I just I dropped like a rock so we ended up getting our uh, first caution what well, I think it was about almost 45 laps or so in and I was able to free the car up and then the car became a rocket ship and it came to life I just started working my way to the front got way up to p5 with about 20 to go and was driving way too hard way too aggressive and just drove the front tires off of it slid back to 14th for the finish. Now I was watching you on your last uh, restart there and run. And uh, yeah, I think you maybe just drove your tires off, I guess, but they were just blown by you. Like I was sitting still. That's tough at the end of the race. You know, you work all that time to get in a good spot and then, and you can't do anything when they just go by you. You know, you're, you're going as fast as you can. Yeah, you just sit there helplessly. All right, my race, what a mess. I got wrecked out, basically didn't finish. I screwed myself on the green flag stop by not having the tires checked again. I lost all that track position. And then a wave by uh, with a caution got us back uh, where we need to be. But then there was a big wreck and I couldn't miss it. And I was just driving it home from there. Uh, you know, I was down on horsepower and whatnot. Ended up net coating with a lapper and wrecked again. And I parked it. And so, uh, yeah, that sucked. Thursday open, wrecked out again. I was usually moving forward. Uh, first run was like 20th to 7th. Uh, then there was a guy that we couldn't get around, and I ended up getting to his outside, getting into the corner, and he couldn't hold his lane. He just drove us both into the wall. I mean, it, and, and this same guy, um, and I, I don't know where he was from. I think I wanted to say he was a Brazilian, but... He ended up causing four different cautions before I even left the race. And um, I was involved in two of them. The last one that he caused, I couldn't miss it at all. And the whole engine blew, and I think it was 39 minutes damage, so I parked it. Okay, let's move on to official series. Guess what? I ran Dirt 305 Sprint at Dirt Lanier, and I got a P11. I suck out there. I was actually getting some laps trying to learn the wing movement uh, with the new button box. So I decided to map one of the knobs to the wing for the dirt car. But Brian, for the life of me, I can't figure out, should I have the wing forward or backwards? Well, it, it depends on the condition of the track most of the time, but typically when, when the track is dry and fast, you want the wing as forward as far as you can it, it kind of takes the downforce off of it and, and makes the car faster and as the track track loosens up and you need more uh, rear wheel grip you start moving the wing backwards so so most of the times if it's a if it's a if it's a fast track you want it forward and then you can start moving it back during the race if you have that in-car adjustment to start uh, getting more grip as the track slickens up okay so start forward move backwards See, I had no idea. I could. I probably did it the other way around. It, sometimes, those the starts of those races, the track condition is randomized. You might get in one one race where the track starts off, you know, fresh, and then you might get into another race where the track already starts off slipped up. So you, in that case, you know, you're going to start the race with the wing a little further back then. All right. Give me a slick track all day. Those tacky tracks. Uh. Uh-uh. Horrible. <laughs> I, I, was, I always felt like I was at a dis, disadvantage before the button box because I didn't have a button map for that wing. 
and every time I ran those races, you know, I'm just at a disadvantage. So I'm glad to get the button mapped at least and understand how it works. Yeah, you, you were you were at a disadvantage. <laughs> if you kept the wing at the same place the whole race, you were, you were definitely at a disadvantage. All right, so the new rig's paying off. Uh, let's talk league and hosted. Monday, Fast Track Sim Racing League, David, P13. Uh, yep, just, uh, I wasn't good at Texas uh, for the most part. And that's just, that was the speed I had. I, I got, I was fast from about lap 20 to 35 of a run. Uh, and then everybody just would start passing me. And so that's where I finished. And I had a P17, I picked the wrong strategy. Um, not a, there wasn't a lot of cars, so there wasn't a lot of caution. And so you had to be on it. How'd the others finish? I don't think we have their results. Do you remember? I can't remember if it was this week or the week before that Greg got involved with something with somebody. But two weeks ago was Charlotte, right? So this this was the one where he somebody uh, took him out. Greg got wrecked. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody had to. He actually sent it in. The guy apologized, and Greg wouldn't answer. He just said, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, "I'm not even gonna talk about it." He was pretty mad. Well, he is in the points, uh, so. I didn't put it in, but I ran the Sim Auto Racing Association. I've been working with Landon Huffman in the super late model, and I, I got crashed last night, but I came back for 22nd to finish 11th. Nice run. All right, I ran some hosted I want to talk about. Um, this is some of my new cockpit testing, so to speak. Uh, of course, uh, Chris McGuire hosts up uh, Saturday night. Uh, some great racing as usual. Uh, the IR18 old Indy car at Michigan. I got a P5. And then, fun as can be, Daytona prototype at Bristol. Now, this combination is awesome. I mean, you can really drive this car at Bristol. You just barely lift off the gas getting in the corner and you're right back in it. Um, and the drafting, there's a lot of draft in these cars. There's a lot of aero. And so you really pick up speed when you're behind a group and uh, it, it's fun. I had a lot of fun in that race. I also ran the Sprint 360 at Lanier in a hosted. Um, and then David Schildhaus did what he called his child car, uh, the Optima Kia at uh, Kia Optima at Las Vegas Oval, um, which I've ran that before in one of his uh, hosted races and it was fun and I did really good. In this race, I actually got wrecked out early. Uh, later, I did Sprint Car at Dover, and that was a blast. I love that car. And to see somebody uh, put up a hosted session and have like 20 people show up at Dover, oh man, it was a blast. Let's talk OBRL. Arca, Brian, uh, you got P6. Yeah, so uh, the old Bastards Arca Series Monday was at Watkins Glen. Uh, started P6, and I finished P6, which uh, was kind of, I was kind of in limbo most of the race. You know, there was a group of five cars in front of, us, in front of me that kind of pulled away, and I stayed a little bit in front of the car behind me. So um, he was about a second behind me when the pits came, when the when the when the pit started and I actually pulled away with him. Somehow I gained like three or four seconds after the pit stopped, even though he was on the paint pit set strategy as me. So uh, at that point, you know, the, he was so far behind me that I had nobody really to race with. So I just kind of focused on staying clean and uh, not, not making mistakes and wound up finishing with that with zero X. So that's a, that's a solid finish for me, P6, zero X. And, um, 
shoot those five bonus points that OBRL gives you for, for finishing without any incident points. And it bumped me into uh, the top 10 for the series, for the for the season. And uh, uh, I'm happy it was a good points race. And uh, it was one of those deals where uh, I think if, if, if I wanted to try to stay with the cars in front of me, I would probably have made mistakes trying to push it too hard to do it. I just wasn't fast enough by and if I was consistent and conservative to stay with them. So I took I took my six and went home. Thanks, Ron, especially at a road course with no incidents. OBRL Aftermath Truck Series, it was Dwayne MacArthur uh, winning it uh, with Tom Ogle second and Dale Copeland third. And that's Dale's first uh, OBRL podium. Congratulations, Dale. Yeah, he's been really fast. It's just, it was just a matter of time before he broke that uh, top three podium finish. Congratulations to Dale. Okay, Kyle, you got the iRacing iRock Challenge Series Season 4 announcement. Yeah, uh, there's no new race updates as we are kind of in our off-season now. Uh, we're getting ready to restart up. So the announcement is Season 4 starts November 4th. Uh, we're going to be racing the next-gen car, or cup car, should I say. Uh, our first race is at Daytona for the shootout. We're looking to get five more drivers to get our full field. If you have any questions or want to get registered, contact myself, Kyle Pendygraft, or Chris Wally, both on Facebook, for more information and registration. And that's all I got for right now. Hey, Kyle, uh, are yeah. they still running Thursday evenings? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep, every Thursday starting November 4th. Uh, there'll be a couple here and there that we don't run due to holidays. GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. GridFinder. GridFinder.com. The home of online sim racing leagues. All right, let's jump to final thoughts. Adam Jocelyn. Um, final race of the year tomorrow, the go-kart, but I'm not driving. I'm having a buddy drive it. And then Sunday, I am running some laps on a modified. So... Hopefully go on the Cookson route here and maybe have a mod after next year. But, yep, that's all I got for that. So you're borrowing somebody's mod kind of thing? Yeah, they're renting the track, and we're all going to take turns, turn some laps. So jump from a go-kart to that, see how we go. Well, I hope you get some good lap times. And like I said, don't bin it. Yeah, I don't want to pay for that quite yet. All right, Brian McCubbin, final thoughts. Um. I wanted to comment on something that I noticed when I've been racing. Um, I don't know if you guys ever come across this or not. You know, when you when you're in a race and it's a and you end up getting long runs in it, you know, you start racing differently towards the end of the run as your tires go. You know, your line might change, your braking distance change, and then you get new tires. And then sometimes I just my mind is still set to way I was racing when my tires were crap. So I wind up, you know not breaking when I'm supposed to and why not make a mistakes and not running faster laps like I should with the new tires because I, in my mind, I'm 
you know, I haven't I haven't switched over to to running the way I should be with new tires. I don't know if that ever happens to you guys, but it's something I'm going to try to concentrate on more, uh, especially with 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 uh, leagues like OBRL where you do get long runs and you get green flag stops and stuff like that. Uh, you just kind of get your mindset right on that kind of a uh, deal, and uh, I'm going to be start working on that a little bit better for myself. That happens to me all the time where I come out after new tires and almost spin out. Like I got to save it because I've like turned, I, you know, I turned it too sharp or something and the car is coming around and I do that all the time. So you're, you're spot on on stuff to work on. All right, David Hall, final thought. Well, I already referenced this earlier over the last three weeks. I've just been in this horrible slump where I just can't finish a race. Uh, most of the time it's getting caught up in other crap there. And then there's a couple of times where I've, you know, made mistakes myself, but, um, I'm basically down 900 in I rating and I promise you I am not tanking. So don't, don't try to protest me because even the last wreck I was in, in the A open right before, for, uh, the NIS last night, I got home early. Um, Sam Roush was in there. We both got taken out in the exact same accident where it was just somebody spinning in front of us. So, I know he knows I'm actually getting caught in those wrecks. So uh, get me out of this slump, basically. All right. Very good. Kyle Pendigraph, final thought. Uh, so my final thought is actually going to be, for the longest time that I've been on iRacing now, I've been stuck in that 1,500 to like 1,900 IR rating for ovals. I finally cracked 2,000 about two weeks ago, and it's just been an uphill climb to – getting ready to crack 2,500 now. And it's gave me a new desire to be in iRacing more and after on a track doing more racing. So I look forward to keep hopefully growing that IR up and keeping the SR at the 499 that's at and just going up from there. Yeah, it was great to see you in our splits uh, finally. So um, it'll be fun to race with you. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right, my final thoughts, uh, loving the cockpit. Um, the last things I've been working on is a phone mount for my iPhone and I bought it from a company in Chicago called TacForm. I did my research and I, I, I looked for T slotted phone mounts that you can mount to 8020 profile and, uh, they have one and, uh, it, and the website said it barely fit my phone. So I'm like, great. And I ordered it and I got it and it's sweet except it barely fits my phone. Like literally I can't get the phone into it unless I like hold the thing open and pry it in there. And then I can only get like the, the top corner of it in it. And, but once it's in it, it's great and it doesn't move and it's perfect. And it faces my face and the FaceTime ID opens it when I look at it and it's just like solid. Um, However, I did call the company because they left the business card in the package and told them about my struggles with it fitting. A uh, couple days later, the lady called me and basically said, oh, you know what? We have this other uh, holder thing that would be a little like 0.2 bigger and it'll be perfect. And so she actually shipped me out free of charge a uh, second mount uh, that supposedly is going to work out better for me. So very happy with the purchase from that company that they're accommodating. Um, they sell mounts for motorcyclists, basically. Uh, that's their bread and butter uh, for phone mounts on a motorcycle or in a race car and that kind of thing. And so they've never heard of sim racing. So as I talked to this lady, I told her, you know, what I do and 
and whatnot. She, uh, I texted her and sent her some pictures of me racing in the cockpit and the holder and the mount and all that. And, uh, they were excited. They've never even heard of sim racing before. Um, they see a new market uh, for their product. Uh, perhaps they can market it to the uh, sim racers out there who might want a phone holder for their cockpit. So uh, pretty cool. That's the final piece that I'm buying. I'm also looking at the plastic uh, inserts that you put in the slot of the T-slot metal. I got some blue. Uh, I bought a package of it just to kind of try it. Uh, I like the look of it. I figured it's going to cost me about 80 bucks more to do the whole rig. So I'm kind of debating if I need to spend 80 bucks on that. And so I haven't bought it yet. I have a feeling I will at some point though. Yeah, I, I bought that, that covers for my rig and I did mostly the whole thing. Not, not for cosmetic purposes because uh, my rig's in a basement and it can get pretty dusty down there and it was just, just dirt would collect in those grooves and it's really hard to clean. But uh, with these T-slots in there, it's just so much easier to clean up, keep looking nice. Well, that's the justification is the dirt. And we have tons of dust here in Arizona. So yeah, for me to get those in there early, I mean, I think I just need to bite the bullet and buy them because like you said, I don't want to have to clean those things out, you know? And so uh, it's probably better just to do it for the dust reason only. All right, and with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.